Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Good, Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Never Late Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Living the dream. Yeah? I've heard as, you say that like 10 times today already. It's like everyone that you talk to on the phone, you're just living the dream. Well, as you're, as the new millennial dads say. That's, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. That's the dad thing. I got that's you. Every time. Well, we've got... It's better than uh, better than I deserve. Better than you deserve. Yeah. Yeah, it's better than that. It's better than living the nightmare. Uh, yeah. You know, that's which true. is what some people are doing, and we are sorry about that. I mean, aren't we all living in a nightmare in this <laughs> current state? We've got a bit of a... You know, the, the market's just tanking, just looking real bad. It was looking great there for a minute this morning, and uh, it started reversing again, mm. once again. And I'm pumped about that. Because I'm looking long term, running my own IRA, and I'm like, it's time to buy more. It's it's a discount. Because earlier, the only problem I had was that I didn't buy more, mm-hmm. and so now it's like the market's like, oh hey, you can buy more. A little bit faster episode today, I guess, because of the other business dealings that Charlie's wheeling and dealing in this office. This is my second episode today already. I was on a podcast called Critical Thinking you're, earlier. You're wheeling and dealing. And the shows. Just wheeling and dealing liberty That's on, right. a, on a daily basis. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you all can go listen to that interview. It was at 7 a.m. this morning. It's called Critical Thinking. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Let's critically think yeah. at 7 a.m. Really? By the really way, I want to let the folks know that you were not offering financial advice. No. At all. I'm saying what I'm going to do. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, like, what I'm going to do is buy because now is the time to buy. And if it never goes back up, as you've mentioned, Nate, we've got bigger problems. Yeah. So. Yeah. If we don't recover from this, then the fact that your portfolio is trash, it's like way down. It's not even on the list of problems. You've got to deal with how you're going to find water, how you're going to get food. You know, there's people trying to beat down your door to, to get whatever toilet paper you got left, stuff like that. Those are your problems you're dealing with at that time. So, I yeah. I wonder what the world was like before toilet paper. I, I don't know might be the most important invention we've ever had. Okay, Charlie, go on with the first article here from Reason. All right. Like Nate said, this is from Reason. You know, I don't always agree with all Reason stuff. I don't either. Yeah. They've got some good stuff sometimes, but they're a different wing of the Libertarian Party that Mm -hmm. is sometimes uh, strange. So Senate Democrats (laughs) try and fail to codify Roe versus Wade abortion protection. Senate Democrats tried and failed to codify Roe. Uh, Joe Manchin, opposing the measure, named the Women's Health Protection Act. The vote was 51 to 49. So all Republicans and Joe Manchin, the same guy that held up the spending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So He might be the most important person in, Joseph, the, in the Senate. All Republicans and Libertarians and everyone need to get behind him. 
Joseph Dino Mansion. There you go. Not not a use, rhino. Can we use Dino? Sure, sure. Quote, this vote clearly suggests that the Senate is not where the majority of Americans are on this issue, said Vice President Kamala Harris yesterday. A priority for all that care about this issue, the priority should be to elect pro-choice leaders. Now, that quote clearly suggests that she has no clue where the majority of Americans are on this issue. Just That's so you right. know. Only about, uh, I think, 36% of women support basically no restrictions on abortion. 29% of men support no restrictions on abortion. And that's essentially what this was doing. This bill wasn't even codifying Roe. It was going further than Roe and essentially opening it completely up. And by the way, not just America, it's the world. Yeah. Because if you go to Europe, the restrictions are even greater than what we currently have right now. And you've got at least Mississippi-style restrictions throughout Europe. But, um, I, I mean, that's not what we should base our policies off of, but we also shouldn't act like we're just the most barbaric nation in the world for not allowing the, the killing of the babies. Right. So, uh, the bill seeks to remove restrictions at the federal level that limit access to abortion, making services legal regardless of local laws. If passed, the bill would override hundreds of state laws concerning abortion nationwide, potentially. And it would likely like, quickly be found unconstitutional, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and also the states can be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for your law. Are you so, going to send in agents? Go ahead and roll your tanks in here. Right. What are you sure. going to do about it? Because the, the, the federal government doesn't have enough power. They could probably stop a few. You know, They could send some FBI agents or whatever in and stop a couple of them. But uh, they don't, for 24 states that are probably going to outlaw abortion, there's, they don't have the manpower. Yeah, they could do it financially. Yeah. They could, they could hold that money over their head. The bill seek to remove a prohibition on abortion after fetal viability when, in the good faith medical judgment of the treating health care provider, continuation of the pregnancy would pose a risk to the pregnant patient's life or health, thereby conceivably allowing for late-term abortions at the provider's discretion. And all they have to do is say, well, this poses a significant risk. Now, look. I don't necessarily disagree that if there is a significant risk that the decision should lie with the mother and the healthcare provider. Uh, if there's a risk to the, yeah, to the well, yeah. yeah, there now, is an actual risk. Now you're, we're talking on late term, late terms right there. Um, couldn't they just take the baby out, you know, without cutting its head off? You Sometimes. Know, something like that. Yeah. A lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, you still got to, you know, pull the baby out of there, but mm-hmm. I guess they kind of do some other stuff without getting too graphic beforehand. Yeah. So, and, um, you would most likely have to do a C-section because sometimes when you try to induce labor, it doesn't always go as planned, which yeah. is why you would have to have a C-section. So then you get into the whole, like, okay, should we force women to have their bellies cut open? I mean, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother. I don't want to force any women to have their I don't know. It's cut open. The bill would have fewer regulations and restrictions related to the facilities and staff providing the abortion services. It would allow for late term abortions, regardless of fetal viability, and remove providers' requirement to inform patients of alternatives and risks related to abortion. So they are in favor of deregulation after all. Mm-hmm. How about that? That's so weird. Trying to deregulate the medical industry. Man. Did That's... you see that tweet I sent you, by the way? No. Probably not. Man. May, well, t- possibly. I get a lot of I get a lot of texts. So know. Hillary Clinton know. had tweeted that we need to uh, protect 
the rights of our daughters and granddaughters. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And what's her name? Is it Heather Fulcom? Uh, no clue on that. A prominent media figure uh, retweeted, a quote tweeted that tweet and said, that the daughters and the granddaughters have to be born first. <laughs> yeah, pretty good response. Pretty good job. So the, I thought that was fantastic. So why did they do this? They knew that it wasn't going to pass. It is really for the reason. In that fact, Kamala, they could have instructed Mansion to vote with the Republicans. Now there's by the way there's some dumb bleep that's going to be from this. By the way, because Elizabeth Warren is using this to push for eliminating the filibuster. And she literally said that a minority should not be able to control the majority. The filibuster had nothing to do with this. The vote was 51 to 49. And mm. she decided to talk about ending the filibuster, which doesn't do anything. It's not that they well, didn't make it over the 60 prob- votes. Nate, if you think <laughs> about this, though, you have one senator holding up the entire Democratic That's process. It. One senator controlling the nation. It's, if he right would have voted the other yeah. way. They could have got what they wanted done. Exactly. How is one man allowed to hold up a whole process? There's something's <laughs> got to be done about that. It is. And the fact that he's a man, that's a problem. Another potential dumb bleep for tomorrow. They changed the language in the bill. We talked a lot about the problems with the language in the bill, and it does talk about people with the capacity to uh, get pregnant mm. uh, is are the rights that they're trying to protect. So we'll, we'll talk about that some tomorrow. Anyway, there's that news, and it's just an election so, piece. That's so all it is. So what about... What about the women who have the parts to get pregnant, but they can't get pregnant? You can't. Is it so, okay to protect them or no? It's important that when confronted with this conflict that you just mentioned, that you don't go any further. <laughs> That's your problem is that you just try to do like a, a two step thinking process, yeah. not the dance, but like you went to one step and then you were like, well, but what if, and he went on to the second one. See, oh, we need it's the, the what if part. Yeah, we need to prevent people from doing that. That's how you destroy democracy, democracy <laughs> right there. It's like saying, I'm sorry, but. Yeah. Everything after the but doesn't count. When you say, oh, but what if everything after that doesn't matter? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as saying but. It's the same thing. And it, by the way, if you say, I'm sorry, but, it also invalidates the first two words before but as well. Exactly. The I'm sorry part. Mm-hmm. So wholesale, another onto some economics real quick. Wholesale inflation rose 11% in April. As the producer prices kept accelerating. Now, that is, it says 11% in April. That's 11% year over year. It did not rise that much uh, in April, just so everyone knows. The main point I wanted to ask about this, we'll just talk about the producer price uh, index. This is from CNBC. Link will be in the show notes. It's the PPI. 0.5% month over month. So that's 11% from a year ago. Now that is a decrease. It was 11.5% in March year over year. So are we turning around a little bit? I don't know. It's not quite as much as what everyone was wanting. Now our inflation, which they announced on Wednesday, is at 8.3% from a year ago. And they thought it was going to hit like 8.1%. Just doing a little bit of quick math on that, the producer price inflation is 11% and the consumer price inflation is 8.3%. And that means clearly it's just everyone, it's corporations price gouging everyone. Corporate greed. Yeah. Just to be clear on our sarcasticness right there, if the producer price inflation is 11%, you would expect the consumer price inflation to be over 11%. 
if this wasn't just due to the inflation for the people that were producing all the goods. Because somebody's losing that margin, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone's losing that margin. And it's usually going to be the companies um, who are in the middle, Yeah, mainly, I would say. It's your middle-class companies, you know, your, your lower middle-class companies, your middle-class companies, upper middle-class, they might be okay. It's things uh, to me. It's things like dealership, car dealerships, right? Mm-hmm. So the price of the vehicles. Screw more, those people! I hate those people. They can't sell it as much. Uh, tell so we had a you know we missed White Pill Wednesday. I wanted to mention this good thing that happened, even though neither one of us voted for Trump either time. I wanted to mention this good thing that happened real quick. So Charles, if what you an want, interesting photo of what it is. might be Trump. Yeah, no it one knows. Could just be someone wearing a red tie, yeah. typing on a phone with nice cufflinks and what appears to be a Rolex. Now, how just... we could do it, we could do that by the hands. What would you say the size of the hand to the size of the phone ratio is right there? Cheeto, could, Cheeto to phone could be potentially like. Trump. We'll see. Yeah. It look kind of small. Those are Cheeto fingers. All right. Uh, After tell- more than four hundred lawsuits against his policies, countless full-page ads and national dailies attacking him, and fundraising over three hundred million dollars off of this activity, Jesus Christ! A pretty good amount. We're in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. Well, we just we should start a nonprofit. Seek fundraising. Three hundred million dollars. Union. The American Civil Liberties Union has come down on the side of Donald Trump for once. Yesterday, its executive director, Anthony Romero, joined in support of Elon Musk's announcement that Trump would be unbanned from Twitter. Is that true? That is what... I did not see that. The Elon Musk part or the ACLU part? The Elon... Well, both. Yes, the ACLU part and the Elon Musk part are both true. Musk said that that Trump would be unbanned from Twitter. Now, Trump has said that he's not going to go back on Twitter. And he will. He... He has to say that right now because he has a competing social media platform and mm. he'd probably get sued out to Wazoo, man, mm-hmm. if he moved over to another one and destroyed that yeah. that company's stock. So the this Anthony Romero guy said, quote, like it or not, President Trump is one of the most important political figures in this country and the public has a strong interest in hearing his speech. Now, he could have taken that a step further and said, Every American deserves the right to have their voice heard, regardless of their status. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether or not you're the in a public has a strong figure. interest. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, but the public does have a strong interest. And we've talked about this before. You want your worst actors in on public display, mm-hmm. right? You don't want them hiding. You want it out in plain sight, so that it's easy to refute. I just thought it was. I'm glad to see. The ACLU going back to the days of uh, defending the KKK, you know, <laughs> just like they used to, you know, uh, they are getting back to their roots. So that's, is, that's good. This is weird. If we see a whole uh, tide shift, that, that would be weird. Now, how long do you think he'd be on band if he was on there? Like a week? No, I think, Maybe. He, I think you'd probably keep him on there. Yeah. Okay. Unless he, unless he said something that violated a law, like a criminal law. On to, I mean, he, <laughs> He said out loud at a, at a, uh, what do you call it, at a rally that he could shoot someone mm-hmm. and they would still vote for him, which is true, by the way. It's, it does seem very true. Mm-hmm. That, and that's so, how it is when you're running a cult. You watch any of those cult shows that are out there. Yeah. And uh, the, the cult leader can do almost anything they want. But I feel like if you can say that on a microphone that's recorded and then played by the media, like why can't you say that on Twitter? It's I don't the, know. That's the same 
freedom of speech. Now, Twitter doesn't have to uphold constitutional freedom of speech. I understand that. But it's like, let the, let let there be a permanent record of it. Why not? Yeah. Right? Here's a little bit of uh, early dumb for you. The U.S. Navy chief is defending the plan to scrap these troubled warships, even though some of them are less than three years old. The Time ch- to get rid of them. From CNN. Would this take 20 years to build? The ch- <laughs> yeah, that's a, another thing. The chief of the U.S. Navy defended the service's plans to scrap nine relatively new warships in the coming fiscal year. Three of the combat ships slated are less than three years old. Chief of Naval Operations Admiral Michael Gilday told the House Armed Services Committee Wednesday that the anti-submarine ships could not perform their primary mission. Mm. And their primary mission, by the way, is to make money for the people who make ships. Right. He said the main reason for the early retirement was that the anti-submarine warfare system on the ships did not work out technically. Quote, uh, quote, did not work out technically. The decommissioning of the ships would save the Navy approximately $391 million, according to the proposed 2023 budget. Um, the problem with that line from CNN and from, uh, from the Navy chief is that those ships cost about $3.2 billion. So and as T-Dub said here, probably not enough cup holders. Yeah, that's the main, mm-hmm. that's the main problem that they have. Yeah, I think. You got to have cup holders. I, you know, I don't blame them. So here's the problem. When we talk about uh, maybe we could reduce the military budget just a little bit. Okay. I don't mean that soldiers should be living in worse conditions, you know, and, the, and that they should have terrible, awful lives or anything. What we mean is a lot of times they end up wasting a ton of money. And this is a good, uh, this is a good example of that. billion on these ships. A few of them are only a few years old, and it turns out they don't work for what they need them for. No problem. We'll just build some new ones. Isn't that an easy decision to make when you're using other people's stolen money to do your stuff? Yeah. We'll just build some new ones. Oh, this is a sunk cost. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice. So we'll just move on and build some (laughs) other ones. You know, I think the government could run pretty effectively. You say, okay, a lot of people are like, okay, what will we do without taxes? I think that each government um, agency or whatever that we've created should solicit for donations. I mean, how many people do you think would donate to the military? I think a lot. Probably a lot of people. A lot of people. I mean, just look at like the Wounded Warrior Project and all these nonprofits where people already donate to the military members. And then that type of system... Because the problem here is incentives, as you mentioned, it's not their money. Who cares? If I if I bought a brand new Ferrari with somebody else's money, and then it's like I could just buy another one with somebody else's money and just have to decommission this one. Like I would trade it every month or whatever. Like because there's no incentive for me to take care of it because I'm always going to have another one, and there's no incentive for me to keep it around or or uh, be responsible at all. Cause I'm just going to have a new one or to make sure that it's even going to do everything that you need it to do. You know, you're asking the public to pay for that Ferrari for you. And, uh, it's a brand new Ferrari design and turns out this one doesn't drive. That's a, that sucks. Also, you know, how, why didn't they figure out that it didn't work? How did it take them nine ships to figure out that it didn't work? Uh, because that's what <laughs> was in their budget. You it's know? like, how, like, couldn't we build one? And be like, okay, does this work? Somebody test this. Well, I mean, there could be some new technology that other people have, and these ships just can't 
keep up with it. By the time they get a ship done, they can't do anything with it. I don't know. Well, Who we're knows? not privy to all the secret no. information that no, no. You know, this is necessary. I'm just saying, you know, $770 billion every single year. Does it really seem like, uh, listen, like, I know that we're building new stuff and everything, but you're, real, you're telling me that it takes a fresh $770 billion every single year and to then, run the military? And then some? And then some, whatever the extra is that, that floats out the Pentagon, we don't even know what it is. You're telling me a fresh almost trillion dollars every single year that we don't ever like invest in stuff one year and then the next year we're like, oh, good, good thing we bought all that stuff last year. That's awesome. We could actually spend less money this year. That's never going to happen ever. It's not possible. Mm, they need budget increases. Yeah. The only, the only decrease they'll do is, you know, next year we're going to spend $850 billion. Oh, no, that's too much. We need to spend 840 Okay, we'll do 840 Oh, look, we decreased the budget by $10 billion. That's awesome. And no. I think, like I said, if you, if you run it like a charity where they have to solicit for donations, then that, that makes the incentive to where you're, you want to keep your donors happy. And if you don't, well, they're going to stop donating. Mm -hmm. So if you make stupid decisions like this, Essentially, your donors are shareholders, right? I mean, they're the ones who are keeping the operation alive. And if you go against their wishes, then they'll stop donating mm -hmm. to you. And that creates a really good incentive where I think, I think, um, I can't remember the numbers, but on top of being fleeced in taxes, I think America still donates the, more than the next 20 countries combined to it, charity. It's quite a lot. Wasn't it like 800 billion? It's a lot. I don't remember what the number is. It's more than a dollar. Okay. If you were to guess a dollar and this was the price is right, you'd be probably too far off. Less than a trillion, more yeah. than a dollar. Somewhere between those two things. Yeah. Okay. We got another article here. And then by the time you have to leave, I'll probably have to uh, finish, finish up another one. Okay. So um, this Washington Post article about the Republicans basically going to kill a bunch of people from COVID because they won't give out another $10 billion to fight COVID and we're all going to die because mm -hmm. COVID's coming, ultra COVID is coming back right now. So are, are you, uh, do you want to, you want me to do this? Or you want to do it? I can, I can do it. Okay. I just real quick, Americans donated $471 billion in 2020. Mm. That's half a trillion dollars. Yeah. Insane. That's right. just so they could write it off on their taxes, Charlie. <laughs> From the Washington post. A bipartisan push in Congress to adopt another round of coronavirus aid is in fresh political peril as Republicans continue to block Democrats from swiftly approving as much as the Biden administration believes is necessary to prepare for an, for an expected new surge mm -hmm. that we're going to create. There's a lot of open-ended statements in there, you know. They're not swiftly approving as much as the Biden administration believes is necessary to pre prepare for an expected surge. And we just went over two days uh, on the last episode how if you, uh, if you had a tax cut and there's more money in people's pockets, mm -hmm. that, that, would, and that would create a worse problem to inflation that we already have. Exactly. But nothing wrong with COVID spending. No, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Five days after federal health officials warned a new wave could infect 100 million people, lawmakers still find themselves struggling to overcome familiar partisan divides. And you know, these models are always correct, mm -hmm. by the way. For weeks, the White House has sounded urgent alarms about the need for more aid, arguing it has already committed most of its, of its existing public health dollars to specific uses. 
Some key federal initiatives even have run out of cash, leading the administration to slow purchases of critical supplies while shuttering a program that had provided free testing to uninsured Americans. Now, how could you solve that problem without giving Congress more money to spend on this, Charlie? Well, one, maybe you shouldn't have given free testing to everyone Mm. if you're going to give out free testing. Okay. Two, maybe there could be more companies that are offering tests that make it so cheap, like five bucks, that it wouldn't be no problem for anybody Yeah, to go out and get a test. Yeah, and and in this case, it's not just the test. They're basically the purchaser of the vaccines, of the therapeutics, of everything related to COVID. And now we're dependent on Congress. ECMOs. We're dependent on Congress approving more money for them to supply all of these goods for us instead of allowing it to just operate in a market Mm -hmm. where if it were a necessary thing that the public needed, that the public wanted, then people would pay for it like we do everything else, like literally everything else that we do in our lives that we end up paying for. And then the market would just magically through sheer tyranny of will, they would magically have all of these supplies and we wouldn't be worried about it. Mm -hmm. We can't allow a market to exist. It's too dangerous. You got magic supplies. Except for in food, you know, which we'd all die without, but that doesn't matter. The chain of events left Democrats scrambling to devise a new approach for the COVID funding and bolster preparations for the virus more than two years into the pandemic that has vexed policymakers at every turn. Perhaps you should just let the market take care of the pandemic. Yeah, maybe policymakers, maybe this whole system wasn't designed for them to be controlling and running and supplying a market for something that people needed. Amen. A woman. Mm-hmm. The clock is ticking in the eyes of the Biden administration. The president's top advisors on pandemic response delivered their latest sobering assessment Friday. They projected the United States is likely to see another significant uptick and infections and deaths from a newer, faster-spreading version of the Omicron variant that's already circulating domestically. Ultra-Omicron is what they're calling it right now. Yeah, it's really dangerous. In doing so, the administration also reaffirmed Tuesday that it is running out of funds to respond effectively in the event of a rapid decline. White House Press Secretary Saki outlined the potential doomsday scenarios to reporters (laughs) at her daily briefing. The United States may struggle to maintain its supply of tests, for example, or lose out to other countries on promising new treatments. We don't want to sugarcoat it. We need more money. We don't have a plan B here. And like what's crazy is right now we're currently seeing the effects of all the disastrous decisions that these central policymakers made during 2020. Mm -hmm. I mean, more more people are going to die from the economic consequences that was created than who died from COVID. That's what I'm about to talk about after you you walk off right now because the the who is estimating about 15 million million excess deaths associated with the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 and 2021, even though the amount of people that died from COVID is somewhere around 5 million. And they're estimated around 15 million deaths. It was worth it. Totes worth it. As long as we save one person from COVID. Well, I mean, those without... 15 million can die. Without the lockdowns, 20, 30 million people would have died. You know? Yeah. Or humanity would... We have clear proof. Would be doomed. That the lockdowns that we did and the Mm. economies that we destroyed, that that saved tens of millions of lives. That's right. For sure. I love you all. Charlie's walking off. He's upset. He's getting out of here right now. I'm going to switch this over just to my camera real quick. So the last article I was just alluding to 
14.9 million excess deaths associated with the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 and 2021. Thank you to the private Discord group for sending this over. I believe it was potentially Matt that posted this one over there. New estimates from the World Health Organization show that the full death toll associated directly or indirectly with the COVID-19 pandemic was approximately 14.9 million. Quote, these sobering data not only point to the impact of the pandemic, but also the need for all countries to invest in more resilient health systems that can sustain essential health services during crises, including stronger health information systems. Who is committed to working with all the countries to strengthen their health information systems, generate better data for better decisions and better outcome. All right. So that's a lot of excess mortality. Now, I've looked through a lot of this data. I saw this last week, actually, and they've got some really big spreadsheets associated with this where you can just look at the data from each country and through each month and everything like that. The problem is in this data, they don't list out uh, why people died, like the the reasons for the death. They say that it's... uh, that's probably a lot of people who couldn't get health care because the the health systems were just so overwhelmed that they weren't able to provide health care for people. Now, that did likely happen in some places around the world where they literally just couldn't provide services to people. Maybe the hospital was too full. Maybe they didn't have the staff. I can tell you that uh, at least from a couple hospitals here around Nashville, and I have no idea why I have this information, but they were never at full capacity. And in fact, they were talking about how things weren't that crazy because they only have one problem to worry about the entire time. Likely, this has a lot to do with the fact that people weren't taking care of other problems that they had, things that they normally go to the doctor for, and we still don't know what those deaths are going to look like. I was listening to one of the CEOs of a major health insurance company yesterday on CNBC, and he was talking about how they're about to get hit hard by late-stage cancers and other uh, diseases that have progressed further than what they normally would have. We don't know what the full death toll from this is going to be. And I'm not going to claim to be able to tell you that it's all from this or that, but I am going to tell you that a lot of this could have been avoided if we would not have shut down our economies and if we wouldn't have scared people to the point that they were too scared to go see if they were having a heart attack or not or to see if they just had a stroke because they were too scared to go to the hospital, or if we shut down a lot of our elective procedures for things that could have ended up saving people's lives later on down the road, or if we wouldn't have made people so depressed by making them quit their jobs or stay at home and not be around anyone, that there could have been a lot of people's lives saved. And in fact, when you look at the data, the excess deaths for people that are under the age of 30 I believe the last number I saw was somewhere around 10,000 in the U.S. for the excess deaths. And the amount of deaths that we have for COVID from those people is somewhere in the two to 3,000 range, something like that. We've actually got uh, a couple times more or more people that were younger that died from whatever those other causes were. We don't know exactly what those causes were. Okay, so like we've been saying this whole time, now we're looking at 15 million people, I'm going to say, have died because of this, about 5 million of them from COVID itself. This also has to do, a lot of these excess deaths were in Africa, were in India, were in places where the, the systems are not as great. Africa 
Uh, all the a lot of different countries heavily reliant on aid from other countries, from people making donations, but the economies were shut down. They're reliant on people sending over treatments for the other diseases that they have 5,000 people dying from every single day. And uh, they're, they're just heavily reliant on the goodwill of others to fight a lot of starvation and hunger problems over there. And we have saw plenty of times that they were projecting... The, the tens of millions of people that were going to be sent into uh, potentially a hunger crisis from this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Like I just said on this episode, I was recording earlier on uh, Critical Thinking, which I will post a link to in the show notes. Appreciate them having me on. Like I was just saying, when we talk about all this stuff, when we mention this all every week over the last couple years, and we say, more people are going to die from the uh, economic impacts of the pandemic or from the response to the pandemic than are actually going to get killed from COVID directly. More people are going to end up dying than if we just would have let this disease run its course, kept our economies open, but tried to be smart in the process, maybe just protect the most vulnerable in our populations. More people are going to end up dying because of this. So we can't act surprised when we see these numbers. This is just Another thing on a long list of things that unfortunately we were right about, you guys in the live show were right about, and all the other people who didn't lose their heads over the last couple of years uh, were right about. And we were trying to choose the course that ended up with less people dying. And since COVID was the only thing that mattered, then you were just putting profits over people or whatever the popular phrases were. You didn't care about the people that were dying from COVID. Um, We did care about those. We also cared about all the other people that were going to die because of this and our response to COVID. And you have to be able to look at all of the different ways that people die and decide that you're going to try to save the most amount of lives. And that is not what people have been doing over the last couple of years. They decided they would get a win if they would win the COVID war, the war on COVID, which they still ended up losing. And a lot more people are going to end up dying, just like the war on everything else that people in our government end up waging. All right. Thank you all for hanging out today. Thanks for being here. I surely do appreciate it. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children that this is a podcast. They need to go follow, leave a rating and review, watch some of the videos on YouTube, follow us on TikTok, all that great stuff. If you do all of that, we are going to be back here tomorrow with a dumb bleep of the week, and it is sure to be a crazy one. Until then, you do all those things. You have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. They're luxury homes, and now they all be gotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. And klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> But these are bad guys. This legislative package strengthens our law enforcement capability.